welcome to the Acres of Diamonds podcast with Bob Larson, a nationally recognized expert in the analysis of complex life insurance structures. In the Acres of Diamonds podcast, Bob talks about the flip side of owning a life insurance policy that your client has outgrown or that has underperformed. We share insight and strategies to help advisors maximize the effectiveness and value of their clients' life insurance policies. Hello and welcome to Acres of Diamonds with Bob Larson from the Settlement Masters. Today we're talking about the L word. It's not a good word. It's kind of a dirty word sometimes, uh, but we're going to be talking about liability. Good afternoon, Bob. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I know that some people use liability as a dirty word. Nobody necessarily likes it a a huge amount, but why are we talking about liability today? Well, first of all, the L word when I was dating many years ago was the love word. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about the liability word. Let me just give you a, a quick overview before I get started in discussing specifics. Uh, liability or risk that a client takes when they sell their policy, it, it could be a number of things. And if you're dealing with the right people, it, it won't be an issue. But a client must know when they're selling the policy, just as an overview, one, who's buying my policy. And, and, I, and I say that because some of the funders are not institutional funds. They are investor groups. And you don't want that. You don't Mm -hmm. want to have small investor groups owning mom and dad's policy. Why is that a liability? Well, it's perceived a big liability because their incentive, which is kind of creepy, could be that mom's death is more important than it should be. Mm -hmm. Uh, In an institutional fund, it's merely regulated and it's merely an asset that the fund is correlating the return based on the mortality structure, and it's all overseen by regulators. It's clean, and there's not a problem. Uh, The second is that the policy should always be bid in the open market, and that makes some sense, just like in selling a home. Mm -hmm. You don't just take one buyer, the first buyer that comes along, you leave it open for a while. You want to know in the process if the policy has been currently evaluated because there may be some things within the policy that you don't know about that could uh, be better than a settlement. Mm -hmm. So an evaluation that's objective and not driven by uh, someone making a commission or a fee for settlements, that's what you need to do in every case. You know, most of the settlement brokers or providers care about nothing else but selling the policy. And they give you numbers. They give you what the bid might be or what the funder is willing to pay. And you really don't know who the funder was uh, and so on. So there's a number of of risk issues or liability issues that I'll explain. All right. So let's get into it. What is the first one? Well, oftentimes when we're looking, when we're reviewing and doing an audit uh, on a client's insurance portfolio that's in their ages of 80 to 90, there is a need for life insurance, but the policy has been damaged uh, by the COI cost, the cost of insurance increase that's happened, promoted by 14 different carriers in the last two years. And it's, you know, it's doubled and tripled the premium. So oftentimes they need the insurance but they can't afford it. Hmm. 
So when you when you when you need the insurance and, and but you can't afford it and there's no way you can afford it uh, and you're going to drop it or you're going to cash it in and that's what you're going to do because you'd rather have the cash value or a price better than than keeping it but you need the insurance and that's the primary issue but you know you can't keep it so dropping it is the only thing that you can consider unless you find some reputable firm that will represent you in the secondary market. So they, what we do is we try to find a fund that will buy the contract in its entirety, the policy, and collaterally sign, legally collaterally signed an agreement with the insurance company that you will get 50% or more of the death benefit without paying any future premiums. So here's where the risk is. In states other than California and New York, what happens is a provider could very easily not have the capacity to keep paying that policy because of they're underfunded as a provider or they're underfunded as a, a fund, and they end up not being able to keep the policy. Then by law, because all the states are regulated, all, 40, all 45 states are regulated right now by the state insurance commissioners, they have to, by law, return that policy back to the client that sold it. So here's the problem. They, the, the, the funder, the buyer, has probably bought the contract, and because they were too lean to keep the contract for the life of the insured, they ran out of cash, and so they probably minimally funded the contract, meaning they only paid the minimum amount they had to to keep the contract going each year. Well, in doing that, you're underfunding the long-term benefit of the contract, and it will run out of cash if the client lives, lives too soon. And then to keep it going, you have to pay sometimes five or ten times what the actual premium that the policy owner was paying uh, while they own the policy. Mm. And when they give it back to the client, to the trust or owner of the policy, all of a sudden it becomes massively unaffordable and that becomes a major problem. So you've got, you've got to make sure you're dealing with a highly respected, a highly trained broker intermediary that vets all these things and will make sure that that client never gets into that situation. You've mm -hmm. got to deal with a knowledgeable broker who's got vast, high-end, advanced insurance knowledge, who only bids with multi-billion dollar funds that when they buy a contract, they keep it in the fund for the life of the individual. And they're not limiting this to a limited fund. They're like the one we deal with, both of them, uh, the providers that represent 80% of the buys in the market they have billions of dollars in the fund and they're, they're lush with cash and they buy it right. They pay in most cases the highest price because they're a long-term investor. And so that's, that's what you need to do. You need to be aware of that risk in the category of retained death benefit mm -hmm. sale. What's the next risk we're going to touch on today? Well, the policy owner must know that the policy that they sell, and this is something that's not told to clients that are selling policies, I can guarantee you, that when they sell it, it reduces their capacity to buy life insurance in the future. 
Hmm. Now, most people don't know that they can't buy an unlimited amount of life insurance. It sounds like, why not? Mm-hmm. But insurance companies and reinsurance companies will only take a risk where they can justify the amount of life insurance. Now, when you sell a policy, that policy stays in force on you, and it's part of your insurance buying capacity. So the industry will count that policy that was sold as part of your capacity. So let's say somebody was worth $3 million and they had a $2 million policy that they sold. And so that policy is $2 million of their capacity. And let's say the person was worth $4 million when they had a $3 million policy. Well, their capacity is probably $3 million mm-hmm. in terms of how much insurance the insurance industry would issue in the aggregate. All carriers would look at the total amount in force before they issue the policy. Well, they already sold two that's going to stand for it, so they have a capacity more of $1 million so that would benefit their family. Now, frankly, it doesn't happen a lot because these people typically that have been injured that have had massive increases in premium are in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. But it's a major issue. We have a probably 20% of the clients that we work with have the ability to buy life insurance after they've sold their contract because they're healthy enough. They're, they've got enough medical conditions to sell, but they're also healthy enough for an insurance company to issue. In that particular case, a retained death benefit offer, which is probably 40% of the cases we do, is counts that policy as part of their capacity. Yeah. So that's a risk they take that they don't know about because most Brokers, providers, don't tell them. It could be in the fine print of the selling document. Mm -hmm. But it's not something that's verbalized and signed off on. Well, I think any family member is going to want to know that. I mean, that's something that they should just be privy to so they can make an educated decision. Absolutely. Yeah. So what what else exposes a client to risk or liability? Well, there's a lot of <laughs> the, I'll tell you where the majority of the risk is. It's who you deal with. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of clients that are picking up the phone and calling a telephone. I'm sorry, a, tele, a TV ad uh, that's on the. I won't mention the name, but it's on all the stations most of the time, and they don't even know who they are, and they're selling the policies without knowing the general mar- what the general market would pay due to competitive bidding in the institutional market. We also know that that firm will flip that contract in probably 70% of the cases to another provider fund. And so it's not always a major problem by having them resell the contract, like your mortgages are always resold by a bank. The bank that you go to gives you a, a loan, and then you notice that three months later, some other bank owns your file. That happens in the settlement market if you're not careful. Now, we're careful, and we, we minimize that risk mm-hmm. by dealing with most of our funds are buy and keep. We know and tell the client who the fund is, what their size and capacity is, so we are mitigating 99% of the risk. But if you're dealing with a TV ad guy, and I know who they are, and I know they're a big buyer in the industry because people see it on television mm-hmm. and they call and all they talk about is how much they can get for their client. 
And what clients don't know is it's not a competitive bid. They typically buy 30 to 40% under market because the bidding price, just like in the real estate industry, is what drives the market price of the life insurance. Mm -hmm. So without that, the buyer is unaware, or the seller is unaware of what the policy is really worth and who's going to end up owning the contract. We want to make sure that we, again, mitigate most of the risk, if not all of the risk, in the beginning. It's a detail. I'm not trying to scare people. I'm just telling you, deal with the right people. Find a firm that has significant life insurance experience in the advanced markets that's highly respected by the legal and county community uh, that does a comprehensive study on keeping versus selling the policy and then and keeping the, everything transparent, the fees, everything transparent. Then you're dealing with a firm that you can go tonight and sleep well at knowing that they've covered the basis. Yeah, I, I think there's there's those types of businesses in just about every marketplace, right? I mean, I drive around my town and I see these signs that say, they say, we buy ugly houses, right? And all they're going to do is come in, look at my house and say, okay, we'll give you this amount. It could be worth $200,000. And they're going to say, well, you know, in the condition it's in, we'll give you $100,000. $100, Right. And they're going to turn around and flip that house. Whether they do any work to it or not, they're going to find somebody that's willing to pay more because they maybe will do some work to it. And then they'll turn it around and, and sell it for more. So I think that those companies, yeah, they're going to come in low bid just so they can turn around. And, and that's how they make their profit, which is not your model. And I, and I, I think everybody appreciates that about uh, the settlement masters. Bob, is there any additional risk that a family needs to take into consideration or liability that they need to, that they may have when selling their policy? Well, I'll piggyback on my former on the former question, Eric, but I, I want to emphasize uh, an example. Uh, as I said, the most important issue to reduce or mitigate risk or liability is the broker or provider you mm -hmm. work with. And they should help the client in the beginning, up front, avoid the liability by being completely thorough and completely transparent that to any liability that is that you're exposed to because they want to be able to tell you could your life insurance uh, con contract be better keeping it or does it mean that you should you should sell it it's hmm. an economic decision uh, the 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 broker and the providers don't do this a provider is now many of them are trying to go direct beware of going direct with a provider beware in fact the television a commercial is a provider, but you must beware. They tell you that you can get more for your money going through a provider. 99 times out of 100, that is absolutely incorrect. Mm -hmm. Your your representative should show you all the ways that you, that you need to look at and sign off on, and not only sign off on, have the owner sign off on, and sometimes have the beneficiary sign off on, all the ways you can keep your policy. And this is important. And, and the con and contract comparison is keeping it versus selling it. There's a mathematical comparison. Am I better in the net present value of keeping it? Meaning is the value right now today better in keeping it based on my mortality, based on the cost that I'm going to have to use to carry it? Or is it better to sell it, take the money, pay taxes if there's any, and invest the money and stop paying premium and use that money to gift or give it to, or use it as an investment. That's important 
that everybody signs off on that by being given all the financial information. Now, there is a case that I can share with you in brief, and I'll detail it a little later on the next question that you might ask me, and I hope you do, and that is a case from a major trust company. They gave us their larger client. The client's policy was very damaged due to cost of insurance increase, interest reduction, and loans on the policy. Everything that could go wrong with the policy had happened. The premium going forward was a half a million dollars a year on a $5 million uh, policy. And they couldn't pay 500, they couldldn't pay 250, they couldn't pay 100. They'd been paying 70,000 and 70,000 would only keep the policy another year and a half. Mm. And then it would be lapsed, all the cash value would be gone, they'd have nothing. So their determination was uh, drop it, cash it in for what we can get and uh, go on as a bad decision. When we were brought in, we did all the evaluation, making sure they understood all the things they could do to keep it. They ended up with a retained death benefit offer because they needed some insurance left over. And reminder is that that's a, where the buyer buys it all and legally collateral assigns back 50% or more of the death benefit to the trust, <coughs> excuse me, that owns the policy. We did that. The client died in four months and everything was fine. They got 2.7 million instead of nothing, which they would have not had anything had they done what they planned to do. They got 2.7 million, but a disenfranchised grandson didn't like it. And I'll tell you a little later what happened. So, I mean, that's, that's a risk. Is there any liability in selling the policy? Absolutely. It may not be for you, but you're creating for you potentially a lawsuit for your family. And we want to mitigate that up front. Absolutely. Are there any other risks that we need to cover today? Well, I'll just recap by saying that, again, it, it boils down to who you're dealing with mostly, because if you're dealing with a professional that's got extensive life insurance experience, and a lot of these issues will be taken care of uh, before the problem. Now, you could find that out through your legal community, through your CPA community. If someone is prominent in the life insurance business and they are a broker also, that typically would be known by the, the community around you. If not, go to their website talk to them extensively. Client needs to know all the ownership parties have signed off on the ways of keeping it versus selling it in the institutional market. And this reduces the risk about 98% of any kind of misunderstandings they'll have in the family. In this grandson experience, uh, he was disenfranchised. He sued the trust company, the trustee, and he was about to sue us on this case where we collaterally signed back uh, he wanted part of the five million instead of the two point seven million. We got wind of it through the trust company before they sent us before they identified us, and we uh, sent them the, our detailed uh, one hundred and fifty page uh, compliance report. Bottom line is they dropped the lawsuit on the trustee and the trust and didn't name us because it's so thorough and it just covered everything that could be that needed to be known to make a good financial decision. Mm-hmm. So, you know. That's that's what needs to happen. It sounds to me like the the, the answer to all of this uh, truly is finding a company that's going to be transparent in everything that they do. Yes. Yep. All right. Any final thoughts for today? Well, we create a full, as I said, 150-page compliance report for the family. If it's owned by a trust, the trust company, the attorney, 
and the advisor. So every step is identified and signed off on by all the appropriate parties. And our feedback on this is convinced. It's so convincing, and I and I want to credential it, is that Lloyd's of London agreed that our report is a major risk and liability mitigator, and the grandson lawsuit would was would have been eliminated or was eliminated because of our compliance report. Mm-hmm. And it and that tells us, you know, Lloyd's of London says that we're the only settlement company in the industry that they will insure, and it's also. Uh, enables us because of Lloyd's of London and our compliance report to extend ENO to every advisor on every case that does business through us in our system. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right. If they want to, if somebody wants to reach out and talk to you about this, whether they're an advisor trying to get into this, into the settlement market, or if they're a family that says, Hey, this, this sounds like something that I might need. How do they get a hold of you? Call us. My name is Bob Larson. I'm the founder and president of the Settlement Masters. Go to our website, look us up, ask for referrals. We want to tell you who's done what. We have lots of letters stating that uh, people are really happy. Attorneys are really happy. CPAs are really happy. They trust us. Call us at 877-927-7243. We're fully transparent. We're supportive. The only reason we have the respect of the professional community is we're really objective of, of attempting to give a client everything that we know of in the in the legal realm of what would be the right thing for people to know before they make this transaction. Uh, and we were supported by re- responses back from the legal community. And, you know, even some of the prominent attorneys in the country, Larry Brody, uh, Brian Cave said, to people that they better, the professional community that, that uh, attended the Heckling uh, Institute, that they better be aware that the settlement problem has got to be known by the professional lawyers and accountants because it's affecting the seniors that are 80 mm-hmm. and 90 years old, and they better find a third party that didn't sell the policy that has extensive life insurance business that they trust will give an objective review. So call us at 877-927-7243. We got a full array of training programs, podcasts, and webcasts that can help you get up to speed. We'll help you learn how to prospect in this market. Call us, Bob Larson at at 877-927-7243. And Bob, you and I have talked about this before. Every day, seniors are losing out on opportunities because they just don't know or they're not educated in this or their advisors aren't educated in this. So I want you to close with that quote that will hopefully push somebody over that edge to say, okay, I do need to make that phone call. I I need to stop hesitating. I need to stop waiting or procrastinating and uh, truly look into this. Yeah. First and foremost, advisors that are listening to this, please understand this is not a little on one-off type of thing. Mm -hmm. It is something that's mandatory that if you're going to follow the fiduciary laws of CFP, CHFC, and most of the carriers that are requiring making settlement an option when somebody's cashing in and or lapsing a policy in the ages of 10 of uh, 60 and older. Don't 1035 a policy into another contract without having a third party do all the evaluations that I talked about. I always say this, because if you don't believe that there's a problem, call me and let me talk about it. I'm not trying to hype it. Uh, I'm telling you the facts. You're going to see more and more lawsuits Mm -hmm. of fiduciary breaching. 
So here's my quote that I live by. Don't, don't do this. On the plains of hesitation, bleak the bones of countless millions that on the beginning or dawn of victory, just before they're going to finish victoriously, they sat no wait and think about it. And there they thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and died and nothing happened until they got sued. So please don't let that happen to you. Us advisors have to be today more proactive than ever before. Mm -hmm. So say the regulators. Please give me a call at 877-927-7243. All right. Thank you so much, Bob. Appreciate the time again today. And thank you all for listening to the Acres of Diamonds podcast with Bob Larson. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Bob comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at the Settlement Masters, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Acres of Diamonds podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Thank you.